Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. While the NCAA wrestling championships are going on, we have a new podcast coming to you live. And this week's guest is Carson Beebe. Carson was a multiple-time state place winner for Montini back in the late uh, 2000s. I believe 2008 was when he graduated. Anyway, Carson went on to wrestle in college and then had a successful MMA career in the Midwest circuit. Um, this is someone who actually I grew up wrestling with and now following him in his professional career. He's just a super positive guy and is someone, you know, like many others, who has taken that wrestling mentality and applied it to their personal life. And I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, sit back and listen to Carson Beebe. Thank you. Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. All right, Carson Beebe, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Anytime. You know, I know we go uh, way back to the IKWF circles. You know, we weren't necessarily close, but, you know, we watch each other from afar, kind of coming up through the ranks. And just for some of the listeners who aren't familiar with you, why don't you just take us through kind of your wrestling journey? I mean, I know it's a big family story with you guys and, and kind of what you're doing now with the coaching. Just kind of take us through that. Yeah, so I grew up in a family of five brothers. Uh, we were all wrestlers, and wrestling was uh, pretty much dominated our life. Um, I had three older brothers, and, and that's, that's how we bonded with my old man and with, with each other. It was just training and beating each other up and, and uh, trying to knock down big goals. So, um, you know, wrestling was a huge part of my childhood, and it taught me a lot. You know, just by, by being in a family of five boys combined with wrestling, I learned a lot about just about physical, mental toughness, how to work hard, how to stay disciplined, um, you know, how to just be accountable for, uh, for your own outcomes, you know, not relying on other people, but you know, my parents set high expectations for us. And uh, we knew that we're, if we we're going to hit our goals and it was hundred percent on us. And I think wrestling just kind of reinforced that, uh, throughout, our, throughout my childhood. And your brothers, man, um, you were an incredible elite wrestler on your own right, but your brothers were, were both of them four-timers or was just one of them four-timer? And then he went on to win the WEC world titles. What was that story again? I can't exactly remember the, the details of it. Yeah, so I'm number four uh, in my family with three older brothers. Two of my older brothers were four-time state champs in high school. Uh, and then my older brother, Chase, was a uh, uh, world champion in MMA for – an organization called the WEC. So for any of the hardcore MMA fans out there, will know what that is. Uh, but yeah, they set the bar really high. And uh, my, like I said, they set the bar. And my goal was to be better than them. So uh, just to just to hit the bar was a pretty tall task in itself. So uh, so what did you like tough. learn from those guys growing up? Because obviously, in some situations you know, the pressure might be too much and you might shrink under it. You obviously thrived under it. It's like, what are some of the lessons you learned from your older brothers, like around the work ethic, but also just like handling the pressure mentally and, and performing, you know, when it counts most. 
Well, I, I learned, I think the biggest thing I learned was what it takes to be at the uh, elite level. There's a lot of places you can go where, you know, you will be celebrated for being a state qualifier or, you know, breaking the varsity lineup. And um, I think my brothers just set the expectations much higher than would be normal. And I think that's awesome because it really pushed me. And then I was also able to see what it took to compete at that highest level. Um, you know, one of my brothers was extremely naturally talented and it came really easy for him. And my other brother had the same amount of success, but had to put in a whole lot more work to get there. So I was able to, you know, watch my older brothers do, you know, extra sprints after practice, wake up early, put in and put in the extra work. Uh, and really just see what it takes to be at the highest level and know that if I'm not at least doing that, then uh, I'm not going to get to where they are. Uh, so that was huge. It did put a lot of pressure on me, though, because my, again, my expectations were to be better than them. And um, if, I, if I wasn't, you know, anything less than that, I considered to be a failure. So, um I put a lot of pressure on myself to try to live up to that. Uh, and over the years, it took me quite a while, but figuring out how to deal with that pressure uh, was another huge learning, uh, learning experience. And yeah, we were just talking about this before the, the show here on, on Penn State. And I think what they do really well is manage the pressure and just operate from a place of like almost like freedom almost. I'm sure you can talk to your, cause you're a coach now and you have your own Academy and I, dude, I see what you're doing with your basement. Yep. It looks unreal. Pulling out your own, your basement wrestling room. Dude. It's, it's awesome. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's the, B, you, the BB basement 2.0. <laughs> we always had a, a wall. We always had a mat in our basement. And then after a few heads went through the drywall, my mom finally put up uh, padded walls. So this is like an uh, evolution of that. <laughs> oh, so growing up, you guys had a, like a fully fledged room in the basement, huh? Yep, yep. So I'm just taking it to the next level in my own house. Dude, you don't even have kids that are wrestling age yet, right? This is just for the kids you coach in the in the club. Yeah, but I do. I have two boys that are uh, one and two years old, so they'll be in there sooner or later. Oof. <laughs> Dude, those guys <laughs> don't even know what's coming yet, man. <laughs> next generation, man. The future's here. Seriously. Now, do you ever think about? Because we've been around some some crazy dads and crazy kids in our day, you know, not to name names, but there's been some absolute nut jobs. And when my brother Tanner and I were coaching our uh, freestyle club, we ran into some crazy dads. Like, how do you ever think about that? Like, if your kids don't want to do it, like, what's your what's your thoughts on that? You ever think about it? So yeah, I've thought about it quite a bit, and then um, I've gotten some ideas from my cousin-in-law. So my my cousin married into the Thorn family uh, from Minnesota. So, you know, yeah. you know, Dave, uh, Mike Thorne is my cousin-in-law, uh, David Thorne, Tommy Thorne, um, all studs, right? And um, they had a son, and he's, a, he's 9 or 10 now, and he's a pretty elite-level wrestler. And I, I asked him the same question. I'm like, how do you get your kid to love wrestling and, uh, you know, not go another direction? And he told me, you know, it's pretty simple. He thinks that uh, NCAA wrestling is the NFL. That's the only thing he, he knows. Uh, is wrestling and when he looks at the, the Minnesota wrestling team it's like most kids look at you know NBA, NBA superstars or whatever and they just see uh, my thought is that my kids will just see how much I love the sport and if you put it in a positive light and not be you know forceful in it 
you can kind of massage their way into it and hopefully they'll uh, be good at it and, and have uh, a passion for it too. So it's yet to be determined. Time will tell. <laughs> well, that's a, it goes back to something that Ben Askren talks about, like the notion of an uh, ignition event, right? If you take a kid to like the NCAA tournament when they're five years old and they see like what it can be, or you take someone to the Olympic trials, I remember going to the Olympic trials in 2004 in Indianapolis, and I was like blown away by it. And it's probably even more important at a young age and going to some of the local tournaments is going to these ignition events. So it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, how can we strategize to get our, well, I don't have kids, but if I do, and boys, fingers crossed, to get them to wrestle, because, man, it's so much freaking fun. It's so fun. Heck, heck yeah, man. And being a coach and also competing at, competing at a really high level, I get to see uh, a lot of examples of how not to do it, too. So you mentioned totally. crazy dads out there. And I get to see a lot of that. And I get to figure out, you know, what's the way that I don't want to do it? Um, and make sure I don't do those things so that my kid can enjoy the sport and not feel an overwhelming amount of pressure. And, you know, when, when you look at the way that the Penn State guys compete and some of your past podcasts where they talk about the mentality, you find that that's the best way to get, to get the most out of people, uh, most out of your athletes and putting high levels of pressure and, you know, overworking them, over grinding them is not the way to do it. You got to make sure that they're, they have a passion for the sport. Uh, and try to cultivate that. So uh, yeah, I'm hoping through through coaching, I can pick up some stuff and how to use it for my own kids. Well, it's it's also just like, and I love thinking about it now in my sales career. And I know you're you're in um yeah, like what you call it, like a financial advisor role now. Like what you're doing yep. now. Okay. Yep. So it's like now that we can actually appreciate the day to day grind and the actual process of getting even the, the cliche thing is 1% better, but uh, that makes you realize that just how fortunate we were to wrestle. And before we pivot off to some of the things you're doing now, just take me back to like, what are some like your most favorite moments when you think back to wrestling or even fighting afterwards? Yeah. So some of my favorite moments are really what came after the, the most terrible moments, honestly. Um, you know, with wrestling, if you're in the sport long enough and you, and you put enough into it, you're going to have heartbreak. And um, dealing with that heartbreak, um, like, for example, in, in high school, um, I made it to the semifinals three years in a row and, and uh, lost every time. I just had – there was something about the, the pressure of the semifinals. I just had mental lapses in those, uh, in those moments and – and being able to come back from, you know, my goal was always to be a state champion in high school. And then my senior year when I fell short and I knew I wasn't going to hit it. And then I came back in the wrestlebacks um, and beat some high level guys and, and won those matches. I think I'm most proud of, of those types of moments where, uh, you know, your, your losses and your heartbreaks really define who you are as a person and, and what type of character that you have. Um, so I was always able to bounce back after, big losses like that and uh, show kind of the type of person I am and, and be resilient and, and come back stronger. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, it came after a big heartbreak, but being able to bounce back and, and, and attack it afterwards, I think is probably what I'm most proud of. And I'm glad you, I was hoping we'd veer into this 
this part of your career? Because I remember the semis. Was it against Coleman your senior year? Yes. Yes, dude. I remember that. And you had a you were winning, and then it's like, dude. Uh, again, I didn't want to bring it up coming into this because um, I know how painful it can be. But yeah, man. I mean, the fact that you came back like that and then went on to have a really successful MMA career now are one of the elite coaches in the area. It just shows how how wrestling teaches us to like, you know, handle adversity in life. Because even if you do all the right shit, most of the time things are not going to work out in your favor. And so how do you respond to that? Uh, how do you respond to yeah. those obstacles? Is what I love what the sport teaches us. Um, and so Absolutely. now now you're in a, you know, a professional life. And, you know, I follow your Facebook posts, man. And as I was saying before, I look, I love social media because, you can look at The Rock or look at Joe Rogan or look at like Michael Chandler and like those guys are getting after it. But even people who I know and in some of these Illinois circles like you, you're posting a lot of positive stuff out there all the time. So how did you, like when your fighting career was over, like how did you transition and just say, all right, I'm going to start attacking this next piece of my life and kind of talk us through uh, some of your routines or some of your habits now for, for your professional life. So how, how I got to the kind of the, being obsessed with just getting better. The way I define it is I'm just completely obsessed with getting better in every single aspect of my life. And it really came from an evolution of wrestling. It came from uh, thinking that just working, uh, outworking my opponents was the key to success. And then finding in high school that that doesn't necessarily do it. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge component of it. You do need to outwork your competition. But if you don't have the mental game in place, um, then you know, you can keep working for nothing, kind of like what happened in, uh, in high school. So then after that, um, I started to study the mental game. Uh, I came across a great book called With Winning in Mind, uh, written by an Olympic gold medalist in rifle shooting, and he kind of breaks down the, the mental aspect. So I came across that book, and then I started studying more of sports psychology, which led more into just kind of life philosophy um, about how to approach things. And I just became obsessed with, uh, you know, sports psychology and just uh, finding ways to do things better and to get better in every area. And uh, evolved into my MMA career and then from there into my professional life. And now I'm trying to take those lessons and pass it on to uh, the kids that I'm able to coach. Um, so, what yeah, was the book uh, by, the, by the shooter? The- I think he was like a rifle shooter. What was that one called? It's called With Winning in Mind by Lanny Bassam. Yeah, adding it to my uh, list. Yeah, he's a rifle shooting. And it's a short book, so it's great for, you know, high school athletes. Um, you know, it's not very thick, but it breaks it all down. And it was really kind of a spark that um, – and I, I think I've heard you reference Flow by uh, the guy's name that you and I can't pronounce. <laughs> Yes, yes. Milo Chisinau. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, Jake, dude, don't you wish, like, we were able to read some of this stuff in high school? Like, I feel like oh if you go back gosh. and teach high school courses, if I had to teach a course in high school, it would be, all right, let's read Man's Search for Meeting, let's read Dale Carnegie, let's read um, – like the greatest salesman in the world, richest man in Babylon. Let's just read these like five books and yeah. teach them. You know what I mean? It's like, God, I don't know how that's not taught. I really it's baffling. Change lives, man. That one, what, that one course would just change lives. 
seriously. Um, so do you have any, um, you know, any type of routines now that you follow, like, what's your day look like? So I know you're a super productive guy and you like to get after. What, what does it look like? I'm sure it's changed since you, you have kids now. Um, yep. It's just crazy. You have two kids. I didn't even realize that. Um, but uh, what does that look like for you now? So it's kind of a crazy schedule. We just got done with uh, wrestling season where I'm coaching an IKWF program. So it's pretty much 7 a.m., um out the door in the office till 5 5 30 get in the car drive out to practice from 6 30 to 8 and i'm usually home at uh nine o'clock uh <laughs> nine nine thirty at night no way <laughs> and it's like every night four days a week yeah it's like four days a week and then on fridays um i usually leave that open to you know do something special with my family um and then on the weekends i uh, i'm also working with an mma fight team uh so teaching some wrestling there uh, so I'll do a few workouts on the weekends and then the rest is uh, family time. So not much time for anything else. Uh, Dude, those are long training. days in the winter. Long days. Yeah, definitely. And I have a lot of time in the car. So I've uh, ripped through a lot of audio books, a lot of pod- podcasts, and uh, trying to be productive with every minute that I can, um, you know, soaking up knowledge. Yeah. No, it's. It's something I miss about, I work from home now, and I, I miss when I lived in San Francisco being able to walk to work every day, and it's, it's kind of good to get yourself in the right frame of mind as you start. You know, you, you leave the house, you're in your transitionary period to work, you're listening to something, and then when it's time to get there, it's, it's absolute savage mode or battle mode, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. which is kind of tough because Absolutely. some of these people in the office, you know, they don't really know, they're a little afraid, afraid of you or something, or they're wondering why you're so intense, but uh, it's just just how you have to be you know <laughs> yeah it's the rest of our mindset when people complain about you know having to work hard it's like if you only knew what my you know what my day-to-day looks like outside of here uh but that's okay because it's the wrestling mindset when people you're used to people looking at you funny when you're cutting weight and you look like uh, a holocaust victim and you know you're walking in between Ooh. classes and like what is the matter with this guy it's like you just don't understand and that's okay you don't have to understand but um, you know, I'm, See, what I'm was your wor- different here. What was your worst weight cut story? Uh, jeez, man. Um, so I had to cut weight all the way through MMA, and I started to get better at it in terms of like breaking it down to a science. But the the worst ones were like in high school when you didn't really get it get the system down all that well. Yeah, <clears throat> I was cutting weight with one of my buddies. His dad was uh, like an ex Green Beret, just an, a total animal. And uh, oh, I know he's talking was, about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I I used to go spend like the weekend at his house just to endure like the crazy workouts his old man will put him through, because you know, so that he wouldn't have to do it by himself. And I was over there one weekend, and he said, "Hey, we're going to a tournament tomorrow." Um, what, what do you weigh? And I'm like, yeah, I weigh like 119. He goes, okay, well, what weight are you going to go? I'm like, well, 119 would be fine. And he goes, nah, 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 you're going to go 112. I was like, what? The tournament's tomorrow. He's like, yeah, don't worry, we'll get it off. It was like 6 p.m. at night. And uh, oh so he found, he, found a, he found a YMCA that had a sauna, stuck us in a sauna, and it had like a glass door. And he stood outside the sauna with like his hands crossed. I was like, you're not getting out of here until you, you know, shut off a few pounds. 
So we did that. We're like spitting in a cup all night. We get in the car, and it was in Indiana. Indiana. So we get in the car. He cranks up the heat when we're in plastics in the back. And we drive three hours in just miserable conditions. And uh, we get there, and I step on the scale, and I was like 112.2. So it's like two tenths over. And I go, oh, no. And the guy at the scale goes, what's the problem, man? I go, I'm two tenths over. He goes, what are you talking about? It's black weights, man. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't even have to make weight for this. Oh my yeah. god, dude. That's insane yeah. though. How long were you gonna Unbelievable. And it was like a developmental tournament. I had like three kids in my bracket who all sucked and uh yeah, it's just crazy. Crazy stuff, man. Well let this uh well, let this story. family remain unnamed, but dude, knowing uh what I know about this group, what was some of the craziest shit you ever heard like just like intense workouts going on over there? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like what, what? What were some of the things that you guys had to do though at those at the we're working out over there? Well, it would just be uh, it'd be crazy stuff. Like um, we'd be five miles away from the house, and he'd just uh, kick us out of the car and say, you know, you got to be home in uh, X amount of time, and if you're not, then we're, I'm going to drive you back to this location, and uh, you got to do it again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that, yeah. And uh, oh, you know, we don't try to think, think smarter, not harder, and you know, see if we can hitch a ride or, you know, find a shortcut or something like that. But uh, it was just crazy stuff like that. You never knew what was going to come. And what was it like uh, working out in some of those Montini rooms back in the day? Uh, was like, was Izzy coaching back then, or who was around, and what was it like during some of those elite teams you guys used to have? Yeah, so uh, Coach Blue was always my head coach. Uh, Izzy was uh, was around my junior and senior year and helping out. Um, it was good, man. I think high school was where I really learned what it what it takes to uh, train at a higher level. Um, you know, it's where I first got introduced to you know six a.m. conditioning workouts, uh, trying to day after practice doing, you know, one hour live goes, just crazy stuff like that. And just seeing, you know, how crazy can we get with this thing? And, uh, you know, who, who can keep up? So, I mean, even being in an elite, in an elite room like that, there's in, at the high school level, there's only some guys who are willing to do all that. Um, so it, it was good to have a few guys who are willing to go to that level with you. Um, and not be the only one I can imagine not being in a room like that. And you try to, it'd be a lot easier to get discouraged because no one else is willing to do it with you. Um, but at, at Montini, I definitely had uh, a few guys who were willing to put in the same amount of work that I was willing to do. Well, and your schedules were always pretty intense, Tim. You guys were all over the country. It seemed like a, like a many college team back in the day. Um, and now it's even it's ten times crazier now. They're going out to California, the Russell Cormier team out in Gilroy, and it's just crazy what some of the, the high school programs have become now. It's nuts. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, just keep pushing the envelope. Try to try to see got the best competition. So it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's let's shift into some a uh, couple of quick rapid fire questions, and we'll let you get on with your day here because I know we're we're in the off season, so that means probably heading home at unless you guys have started freestyle already. Yep, freestyle first practice is today, so we got one week off, and we're back at it. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Um, 
that's where Illinois rules, man. King of freestyle wrestling, state of Illinois. Absolute, just the toughest competition when it comes to freestyle. Yep. Um, cool. So, you know, question one is, you know, looking back, um, you know, what are some of the, the more life lessons or what are some of the takeaways that wrestling gave you that, that you think about or that you use every day? Uh, hard work would be number one, just hard work and discipline and be able to, uh, always try to do more than the next guy. Um, always try to, you know, be the first one here, last one to leave, uh, work harder, work smarter. And then, uh, having a passion for what you do in, in wrestling, we're always trying to learn new positions, solve different problems, uh, come at the same problem in a more intelligent manner. So working harder, working smarter, having a passion and just always refining your craft and, and trying to make it a little bit better. That is the key, man. Like, I think that what you just mentioned there is, you know, I, I've heard Yanni, uh, Yakima Hollis talk about this, but, you know, wrestling is really endless, but dude, so is like the art of sale or the art of persuasion. Uh, and and when, when he, people hear the word persuasion, they think it's like negative, but I don't mean it negative at all. I mean, everything you do is, is a sense of persuasion, but there's really no end to being a master at persuasion or a master at sales or a master at financial markets, whatever it is. That's what yep. I love about people who have been elite level athletes. They know the process and it's, it's a million freaking steps, but over time, it goes million steps become, you know, like a pyramid, so to speak. Right. Um, and so like, yeah. just, that's what I freaking love about it. I'm so glad you hit on that. Yep, it, it's never ending. So it's all you know. There's always places to get better, and, and uh, it's a never-ending goal. So stay fun. And um, and another one here is, I know we mentioned a couple of books uh, that that you that were influential to you, but just in the past year, what's uh, what's one or two you've listened to that you really enjoyed? Um, so with Winning in Mind, I think is a great um, starter book for anybody who's getting into uh, mental management or just maybe having some problems with mental performance. It's a good starting book. And then I'm also borderline obsessed with uh, Navy SEALs and like anything written by Navy SEALs. So a great one that's more popular is called Extreme Ownership by Jocko uh, Willing. Ooh, that book oh, is yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that book's awesome. And then he's also got another one called Discipline. It's more, it's like a short book, like more like poems, um, kind of as much as, a, as much as a Navy SEAL can write a poem. <laughs> but uh, Extreme Ownership was awesome, and uh, his other book, Discipline, was really good, too. Yeah, the second one's like a field manual. I, I like it because you can yeah. – I'm looking at it right now, actually, but, but I like it because you can jump around to different things. You know, it's as simple as these are 10 stretches he does every day, and this, these are some workouts he does. So I love that part of it. Um, have you read David Goggin's new book yet? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Uh, can't hurt have, me. Yeah, yeah haven't got to it yet. Great. I'm uh, yeah. I'm wrapping up um, Mindset by Carol Dweck. I don't know if you ever read that, but uh, no, I haven't. Oh man, it's phenomenal. It's about like the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, and people with the fixed mindset. It's not like anyone chooses to have a fixed mindset, but it just it just comes out in the way they look at things. So, for example, if if they got she gives the example of someone's driving home and they find out that they got a C plus on a test they studied really hard for it. You know, someone with the fixed mindset might get discouraged, might get disappointed, 
Whereas someone with the growth mindset gets excited because they go, shit, like there's so much more I can learn. Yeah, I thought I had it down, but I got a C plus. So there's more I can learn. There's there's new ways I can study. And so just simple things like yeah. that is what, what she talks about in this book. It's really good. Um, yeah, and then my brother, little millimeter ahead. shifts that can make all the difference in the world. Like that's what's so fun about being obsessed with progress or obsessed with getting better is you come across little things like that where it's, you know, you take that one situation and you just look at it a little bit differently. Just a, a tiny shift in your mentality can make such a huge difference. And if you're not out there hungry for, to, to learn more, or to take different approaches or reading or watching interviews for of successful people, you miss those millimeter shifts. And that's what I look for. It's those little timely adjustments that can make all the world of a difference. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is just a simple mental reframe here or there. And before you know it, things have really changed um, and it compounds over time. Um, yeah. And just kind of follow up on that is, do you have any good YouTube videos or any good uh, podcasts you go back to if you need a little boost? So, uh, let me think like here. Of, so, like some of my favorites are like Inky Johnson. I don't know if you've seen that one online. Um, uh, like Eric Thomas has a good one. I, I, any, any short ones are, and it's not all good, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm on YouTube just trying to find um, good stuff all the time. There's one, uh, there's one, and I'm just scrolling through my, my YouTube play, playlist right now. So I think Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is a guy that I follow a lot just for the mindset. I mean, he's got to set Freaking. his antics aside. But Love the, the guy. Uh, the Love him. Yeah, if you actually listen to what he talks about, uh, about his mindset and things, it's, uh, pretty awesome. It's pretty spot on. Um, so there's a there's a YouTube video. It's a 14 minute YouTube video, and it's Conor McGregor: How I Use the Law of Attraction. So it's a Law of Attraction video uh, on Conor McGregor. That one's awesome. It's a 15 minute video. I used to listen to that every morning before I got into work. Um, so that stuff like that's awesome. I'll have to look into that one. He is he's amazing. There's a Netflix documentary on him. It also gets into some of that. Um, have you watched that one yet? Uh, yeah, I think I have. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, um, yeah. I hope he uh, hope he gets back into it. And I guess just to kind of wind this down, I'd love to. I know you're a former fighter, um, pro fighter for uh, how many pro fights did you have? Uh, pro and amateur combined, I think it was like 27 or 28 fights. So you know the game well. And I see you working with um, who's the fighter out of Mexico who's like an up and coming guy. He fought BJ Penn. Yeah, uh, I was working with Yair Rodriguez. Okay. Okay. Yep, that's who you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. So what do you think about? I gotta ask you. What do you think about our man Ben Askren and carrying the torch for the wrestlers out there? What do you think about that last fight? Uh, that last fight was. Definitely interesting. I mean, he got beat up real bad and uh, stuck it out. But then once he got to the ground, he's just on a different level than everybody else. Um, I think he's a great example of how far you can go with just pure wrestling. Um, I'd like to see a more well-rounded fighter where you can at least throw your hands a little bit. Uh, But uh, I I think it's a good example of how dominant 
wrestling is. And the more, the more that the sport evolves and the more well-versed these guys become in every aspect, all three aspects of the game, from jujitsu, wrestling, and striking, the more pronounced wrestling is. That uh, it is by far the best, uh, oh. the best base for MMA. There's no question about it. And no the thing that I always say is, wrestling takes a lifetime to learn, uh, to become really good at. You can become a pretty good jujitsu specialist or uh, striking specialist within a couple of years. I mean, if you take somebody who's been wrestling for a couple of years and you put them against me or any other elite, elite level wrestler, I don't care how naturally talented they are. If you've only been wrestling for five or six years, you have no chance. There's just no chance. Uh, it just takes way too long to figure out all the positions, all the you know, pressure and, and all that. So, yeah. It's dude, good so to that, see. That well, but to, to your that point, out. dude, like wrestlers become black belts in jiu-jitsu all the time. Or they become yep. elite level Muay Thai fighters like John Jones, but you never. I mean, George St. Pierre is really the only guy who only one. was not on a wrestler, but then became. They say he could wrestle with the Canadian Olympic team. I don't know how true that is, but um, they say that, that that was the rumor back in the day. Um, but he's like the only one, yeah. now, you know? But you take him out of the equation, there's nobody who's been able to, you know, bridge the gap the other way. No. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and actually, I just kind of made this up on the fly. Since you're such a MMA uh, guru, my brother and I go back and forth on this all the time. I'm going to give you three hypothetical matchups. Give me a quick answer on who you think wins this one. All right? Okay. And we'll, then we'll wrap this up. All right. Yoel Romero I'm not great at predicting John... fights, but I'll, I'll give them to you. <laughs> okay. Yoel Romero versus John Jones. Should it happen? John Jones. Okay. Respect. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's so many I want to throw at you, but I'm going to pick he's and choose here. He's got too many tools. Yeah, he's got too many tools. Tyron Woodley versus Khabib. Uh, with their size, as as is? At, at 170. Like Khabib coming up to 170? Um, Tyron Woodley, for sure. For sure? Oh, okay. That's where... Again, too many, too many tools, and... Um, I don't think could be taken down. Okay. Aaron Pico versus McGregor, right now, and this right, right now, now in the, yeah. McGregor, uh, there's no experience like cage experience, and you. I have no doubt that Pico is going to be one of the best, but you've got to get in the cage. I mean, you got to get in the cage with some of the, the top level guys. Uh, it, you can have as many boxing, sparring matches, live MMA fights in the gym, but nothing is the same as getting locked in a cage with nothing but, you know, a pair of shorts and MMA gloves and a mouthpiece and having somebody coming out, swinging for the fences, uh, trying to take your head off. Uh, you got to have the experience, and he doesn't have the experience yet. Got it. I um, Unfortunately, I do agree with you on that one. I say unfortunate because I love McGregor, but um, I mean Pico is obviously just just a stud. Um, but man, I just yeah. I'm I'm kind of shocked that he's been knocked out like that. I mean, I know the first one was a choke out, but you know he was rocked and then choked and then this last one. I mean, my brother and I were watching. I just couldn't believe it that he uh, lost that one. So I don't it's know. Just man. experience, I, man. All of it's chalked up. It's not skill. It's not mentality or anything. It's just experience being in there, and that's what all it comes down to. 
Yeah. It, that's, I mean, and of course it's like that with anything, right? I mean, do, do you think he makes a run at 2020 though? He got to choose one or the other. I mean, to be the best wrestler on the planet, it just takes such a hyper focus. Uh, so no, I would say no. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. Well, I, I could keep throwing this stuff at you all day here. I hope we can have you back on in a few months. Um, but I do just want to thank you for joining the show and best of luck as you guys get rolling in freestyle season here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Anytime, man. Take care. All right, everyone. Bye. That's Bye. the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.